Good afternoon. This is Greg Lois. Thanks for joining me today. Can you hear me? All right. Sorry about that. Hey, everybody. This is Greg Lois. Thanks for joining me today. It is uh, May 17th, and we are in my New York Workers' Compensation webinar talking about construction defense and particularly our multi-jurisdictional coordination protocol, which was written by my partner, Tashia Razul. So what is this? Uh, what are we talking about, Greg? What does all of this stuff mean? Uh, let's jump into it. Hi, everybody. I'm glad. I hope you can see me and hear me all right. I'm getting a, a thumbs up over here from uh, Lauren, so I, I guess I am coming through. That's great. Okay. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about construction claims. I want to remind everyone, we do have a construction defense practice here. I was headed up by my partner, Tashia Razul, and I wanted to have her here giving this presentation because she does such a better job of it than I do, uh, but unfortunately, she's stuck in hearings all afternoon. So uh, she has written the handbook, and here she is on the back of it, um, on New York coordinating New York workers' compensation and New York general liability defense together. This is her protocol. And the lessons or the ideas about coordinating defense across these two jurisdictions is really useful, and it's useful really for any workers' compensation case where there is a large third party. But it's particularly useful in the construction context, and I'm going to talk about why that is uh, right now. So if you don't have a copy of this handbook yet, let me know. I will send one right out to you. Or you can instantly download it from our website. That is loislc.com slash publications. And you can find the construction uh, handbook written by Tushia uh, on our website. Uh, so let's talk about what we're going to discuss today and, and why we care about this and why it's useful. Well, first, uh, we're going to talk about the spate or the uh, a river of general liability claims that arise out of construction accidents and how that impacts workers' comp defense in the state. New York has a crazy law uh, called the Scaffold Act or sometimes called labor law. And really what it says is that any uh, landowner, uh, property uh, owner, project owner, general contractor who are engaged in construction uh, that have a, a worker injured in what they call an elevation-related injury. That's any fall from height, but it can also be material falling from height and striking the construction worker. It could also be uh, a tool or something that's dropped at the work site. It could even be the employee falling into a hole because that involves an elevation change. Uh, any of those cases are going to be eligible for strict liability against the project owner, the landowner, the general contractor for negligence uh, on, on that harmed the claimant. So really that's a crazy thing uh, where the plaintiff has this benefit of strict liability uh, for any elevation related injury. And so what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of litigation, a lot of general liability claims around construction sites, construction projects, and there's a lot of construction projects in New York City. You know, you can drive through New York City and there, for, a, for a long time there hasn't been any traffic, but all you see is giant high-rises going up, large infrastructure projects, a lot of building going on that leads to a lot of claims. What it also means is that that person probably also has a workers' compensation claim going at the same time. And so what we've discovered is that coordinating uh, the defense of the workers' compensation case and coordinating with the defense of the general liability case, extremely important for these large project owners, large uh, 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 general contractors, and other entities participating, particularly in these owner-controlled insurance program properties. So there's a huge benefit to coordination. 
I'm going to talk today about some tactics that benefit the employer, and this could be on the workers' compensation side, benefiting them in the general liability action, and vice versa. Primarily, we're trying to reduce litigation costs and avoid collateral estoppel while reaching a global settlement in these types of claims. And so, to Shia's book, even though it's called Defending Construction Claims, the subtitle of this book is A Practical Protocol for Coordinating Workers' Compensation and General Liability Defense in Catastrophic Construction Claims. And so that's really what this book is about, and this is really about what the focus of our construction defense practice here. Our defense practice for workers' compensation cases involving construction accidents is really focused on the idea that, hey, in every single one or pretty much every single one of these workers' comp cases that we're handling, there's also a huge civil action pending based on this strict liability statute, which is going to expose, in general, the same parties to an amazing amount of exposure. And so what can we do and how can we help uh, reduce that exposure from a global standpoint? All right, so uh, at the end of today's presentation, I'm going to answer some questions. This is my second run through of the day uh, doing this presentation. Uh, and so uh, I'm very happy to answer any questions you have. Bring your questions. You can type them in as I'm going along. You can type them in this cute little box as I go here in GoToWebinar. And then I'll be able to uh, read them at the end. I will only read your first name. I will read your question so everybody has the benefit of the question. And I will do my best to answer it. Okay. So the big question is, why are we doing this? And why are we uh, spending our time and effort even worrying about what's going on in this civil action? Well, the answer is because generally speaking, it's involving the same employer uh, or uh, the same uh, parties that are going to be in our workers' compensation case. And in general, uh, these parties are uh, uh, usually uh, part of what's called an owner-controlled insurance program or contract-controlled insurance program, which means they're all part of the same uh, insurance entity. So why do we want to coordinate this stuff? Well, generally speaking, we're talking about cases that involve the three Cs. They're catastrophic. We're talking about a fall from height. Uh, generally speaking, we got a lot of head injury cases, a lot of traumatic brain injury cases. They're relatively complex because there are uh, cases pending in multiple jurisdictions at the same time. And by multiple jurisdictions, I mean the same state but two different forums, the Workers' Compensation Court on the one half and the Supreme Court, which is uh, the civil court in, on the other side. And of course, them being a little bit more complex means they're a little more costly to defend. And in general, the awards that the uh, plaintiff or claimant is going to obtain in that civil action are going to be multiples of whatever their workers' compensation award, multi-million dollar awards, not unseen, uh, uh, or actually very likely in these uh, strict liability scaffold act cases. So uh, there's always going to be at least two cases going, and it's always going to involve at least two courts. And for that reason, uh, there can be a benefit to the employer, to the project owner, to the general contractor in coordinating the defense of these actions together. So what we've done is come up with a solid protocol for how to coordinate your defense counsel in these multiple jurisdictions. Uh, generally speaking, we're going to talk about how we assemble the team. We're going to talk about uh, what are the best practices for the, the team, how we're going to use milestones, and then what we're going to do to actually reduce exposure and reach those global settlements. So let's quickly talk tactics here, because this comes down to managing uh, two different litigations, uh, but usually uh, with the same group of ownership behind it. So let's talk some tactics. First of all, there's going to be very different paces to the multiple litigations that are pending. Workers' Compensation Court, as you know, it's quick, it's dirty. There's very limited disclosure, there's limited discovery. That means the workers' compensation proceeding is usually going to be moving a lot faster than that civil action is moving. 
It also means that oftentimes the workers' compensation case is going to be driving the boat in terms of the medical treatment and the exposure and loss that the claim is obtaining. Remember, in the workers' compensation court, the claimant can pick their own doctors. They can go to whatever doctor they want. They're usually not picking the best doctors. They're picking the doctor that's going to keep them out of work the longest, that's going to uh, bring in the most amount of body parts, and it's going to sign them up for the most amount of surgeries. And why are they doing that? Because they believe it will increase the value uh, of their award in their civil action. So really, you can think of the workers' compensation action as funding the civil action. So uh, they're going to move at very different paces in that the workers' comp case is going to be moving along, benefits are going to be provided, treatment, medical treatment is going to be provided, body parts will be added or challenged, surgeries will be approved or disapproved, and that's going to be moving along at a quick pace. Meanwhile, the civil action is going to be moving along at a much slower pace. Uh, the claimant's attorneys, the plaintiff's attorneys in the civil action are really going to want to go very slowly because in their mind, hey, the longer this person stays out of work and the more surgeries and treatments and body parts we add into the case, well, that's just beefing up the value of that civil action. And so for that reason, they're going to be uh, sort of hoping or going to go as slow as they possibly can in that civil action. Uh, it also means that the defense attorneys and the defense of the civil action should have the benefit of the claimant's testimony, the medical narratives, the depositions of the treating doctors, et cetera, that's already taken place in the workers' compensation action. We should be using this for a tactical advantage, right? Like we're getting an opportunity to sort of see the entire plaintiff's case play out in the workers' comp court, to see those treating doctors testify, to see what they're gonna say. And it also gives us the advantage that we get to challenge and dispute their, the necessity of, for example, additional medical care, additional surgeries, especially the establishment of additional body parts. Those are all things that we can challenge. Um, the differences in timelines are, is one thing, meaning cops going to move a lot faster than civil action, but also disclosure rules. You know, there are things that you're going to have to disclose in the civil action that you wouldn't have to disclose on the workers' compensation action. So, for example, uh, you will see that in the civil action, surveillance has to be uh, the presence or the uh, 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 the fact that you've taken surveillance video of the claimant has to be disclosed pretty early in the case. In workers' compensation court, it doesn't get disclosed until after the claimant testifies really gives us an opportunity to use that as a surprise. And it really gives us an opportunity to test the claimant's credibility before that civil action even has to go to trial. Another thing that we like to point out is, you know, there are very different um, fundus of knowledge between what the workers' comp attorney uh, representing the claimant and what the, uh, uh, the general litigator is going to be representing the plaintiff, what they know. And we see this particularly when it comes down to time for mediation. We'll see that the uh, when the mediation is taking place in the civil action, oftentimes the plaintiff's attorney doesn't really know much about workers' comp, doesn't really understand how the liens work. When the mediator asks questions about what's going on in the workers' comp case or what was the status of the workers' comp case, often it's misrepresentations, but maybe they're even good faith misrepresentations. They don't even understand what some of these um, judicial orders mean, uh, what body parts established and what haven't been, and even some basic things like what's the size of the lien, how much has to be paid back. So really there can be an opportunity there uh, to sort of show uh, in that mediation or in that civil action what really happened in the comp case because you're bringing in an expert on the workers' compensation. Finally, tactically, we're trying to create jeopardy in each one of these cases, and oftentimes the workers' compensation case is the place to create that jeopardy. If we can do things like show that the claimant was a fraud, lied under oath in the workers' comp case, that's going to be very useful in creating jeopardy and undermining the credibility of the claimant in the civil action as well. All right. We can also, uh, in, in addition to creating those sort of tactical advantages, we can also create some 
financial efficiencies as well. We can save some money. So first of all, we can reduce litigation costs, and mainly we're going to do that by reducing duplicative efforts. You know, if we're going to depose a physician, uh, maybe that doesn't, they don't need to be deposed in the civil action as well. Maybe you can rely on the on the deposition that occurred earlier in the workers' comp case. The other thing you could do is have your general liability counsel feed some extra questions to the workers' compensation defense attorney and say, hey, we need you to ask about this, this, and this, because that's going to come up in our case. It's not really going to come up in yours. That's a really useful way of coordinating defense and really trying to avoid that duplication of effort. The other thing that we can do is try to either invoke or avoid collateral estoppel. Collateral estoppel is a legal term. It just simply means that when the one court has already decided an identical issue, another court won't touch it. They will let that earlier or that other court's decision stand. So uh, we can use findings of the workers' compensation claim that can benefit us in the general liability claim. I'll give you an example. How about the disallowance of a body part in the workers' compensation claim, where the workers' compensation judge has said, no, you, you have injured your right shoulder and your left knee, but injuries to your hip and low back have nothing to do with this workers' compensation case. You can rely on that and argue that, Judge, they shouldn't be allowed to bring that back into the civil action now. It's already been ruled out in, a, in the concurrent jurisdiction. That's really a useful thing. There are case law that says that findings by a workers' compensation judge can be binding in the civil action where the issue is identical. Again, the classic example is established body parts, but there's other examples, including wage rate, uh, that would be found to be binding in subsequent actions. And so why wouldn't you want to litigate that in the place where it's cheapest uh, to litigate and easiest to introduce proofs? So there are some benefits to that. Now, this next slide is really about trying to reach a full and final settlement in both uh, jurisdictions. That should be our goal. We don't want to resolve these claims separately in the different jurisdictions that they are pending in. We really want to try to resolve them uh, of one piece and together. We call this a global settlement, and we're really trying to make sure that the settlement is crafted to benefit us. So closing out exposure at the same time is key, but also using our workers' compensation lien as leverage in that civil action is also incredibly useful. What we're really trying to do here is sometimes go into a civil action where we're willing to say, hey, if you dismiss entirely the workers' compensation claim, um, we'll, we'll put the money over here on the civil action. Uh, that's called a $0 section 32 in New York, and that's possible to do. We do it on a global basis all the time. Another thing we can do is compromise the amount of our reimbursement on the workers' compensation side. We can reduce the amount of our demand for reimbursement under Section 29, which would then flow more money to the claimant under the civil action. Again, those are uh, sort of global settlement decisions that we'll make on a case-by-case -case basis in order to benefit the employer. Another great example is that in New York workers' compensation, we generally do not pay attorney's fees on monies put into Medicare set-aside allocations. In general, I dispute that, and I do not believe the attorney should be attaining a fee on money that's simply set aside to offset any potential uh, future federal interest. However, in New York, the practice in civil actions is generally to pay a fee on money that's put into a Medicare set-aside allocation. And so uh, a very simple thing to do is just to put the Medicare set-aside allocation into the workers' comp case where you're just simply not paying a fee on it. Uh, that can move more money to the claimant and can make both cases, again, you're not putting any more money into the case, you're just changing or taking away the attorney's fee portion of that. And what you're doing is flowing more money to the claimant and maybe making that global settlement more attractive. So there's a lot of uh, things you can do. I'd encourage everyone who's interested in this topic to absolutely get a copy of my partner's book. It is awesome. It is free. It is on our website. If you want a hard copy of it, we're more than happy to hand it out to you. Tashia would have been here herself, and this is what she looks like. She would have been here today uh, to do this, except she was called into court. 
All right, let me jump over and see if there's any questions. If you haven't asked your question yet, type it in now so that I can answer it. It really makes these presentations a lot more fun and more lively when people are asking questions. Going over yet, I don't see anyone. So either this topic was covered so perfectly and it makes so much sense, I did a great job, or people maybe forgot to type in their questions, uh, that's okay. Uh, if you come up with a question or can remember what your question is later, feel free to email it to me. I'm going to give. I'm going to open up the question panel one more time and see if, the, if there's anything in there. I don't see anything. All right. Thanks for joining me here today, everybody. It was fun talking to you about it. Again, Tashia would have done a better job if she was here, but I'm happy to spend this time with you. If you have any questions about this or any other topic in workers' compensation, please feel free to reach out to me. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Enjoy the hot weather.